Oddly, this album and this start really does remind me of Christmas. Is it because of how close it came out to Christmas? Yeah. I remember riding a bus going to work and really feeling that Yuletide mood and listening to this album. Yeah, it came out the Monday after Black Friday. That's a great place. If I understand correctly... Black Friday is for many people a great marker of when the holiday season starts. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree, Yeah, Shane? some brilliant minds have actually talked about that in the past on this I podcast. I fucking hate Black Friday. I think it's the dumbest marker in the Canadian economy for what the U.S. economy decides when we start. I, for one, am part of the separation between the United States economy and directing what we do and the Canadian economy and it what we do. has nothing to do with... Hi, guys. We're talking about Kanye West today. You know, the, the Canadian Kanye West economy. Welcome to the Friday special. Who is who is more poorly outfit to talk about politics and the economy, Shane or Kanye West? Kanye. I'm still going to go with Kanye, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, think Kanye, I think Kanye is not... Yeah, I'd say Shane. <laughs> I agree. I'd, I'd still go with Kanye. There was that verse he had on... No, no, no. I said I'd, I'd prefer Shane to yeah. speak yeah, on I want, Yeah, I want Shane to talk about the... I, Shane, you don't... And I mean... I think Shane doesn't know anything about the economy, but <laughs> I know a but couple I still things. trust him more than I trust Kanye. I know West. a couple things. Yeah. Um, welcome to the Friday special. Obviously, we're talking Kanye, all things Kanye. There's nothing specific. We're just gonna talk Kanye West. Similarly, how Kanye West gets into anything, he's not really into anything specific. It's just sort of where it comes to his head, seemingly. Yeah, pretty much. Anyways, we got Shane, we've got Paul, we've got myself. Huh? Uh, <laughs> That might be the worst ad lib I think anybody's ever had. Which one? The ha ha. Oh Jesus! It's awful. It I hope like you turned down your your speakers before that one came out. Um. Anyways, we're uh, we're gonna talk about Kanye West. We're gonna talk about our uh, our favorite Kanye West albums. We're gonna probably have a debate at some point about Kanye West. Um. But yeah, and we're talking specifically our favorite albums, not like the best Kanye West album, which was clearly my Twisted Dark Fan. Like, okay, we, so let's get this out. Let's get this out there right now. What is the best Kanye West album? And then can we do the worst? My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Yeah. Okay. I'm in That's the, same the best. Boat. All That's right. Best great. Album. So. And so it's also no my, debate it's, there. It's also my personal this favorite. This just in, three white men have agreed. My Twisted Dark Fantasy is my the beautiful best Dark Kanye Twisted West. Fantasy. My beautiful. I like calling it Dark Twisted my Fantasy. My beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. It's not fantasy. your choice, man. Well, it's my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Kanye West made it. It's all of our It's our. I know what your dark favorite Kanye fantasies. project is. Which is not a popular opinion, and I don't really necessarily all know. All right, let's start with you, because I think... Of, I well, think, hang on. We talked about best. What's our? What can we unanimously, unanimously agree on what our or least, uh, sorry, what we agree is the least good Kanye album, uh, like uh, a Pablo. Pablo, oh no, yay for me, it's yay. Oh man, I almost feel like yay doesn't even count. You think yay is the worst? I think yay is his worst project. Wow, I think Life of Pablo would have I taken Yandy, that until yay. Yandy's his worst project, it's not even out yet, Yandy? exactly. Oh, That's why on. it's so shit. Nah, Shane, come on, dude. I stand for Kanye, I can't stand for that though. It, the album's not even out yet. It was supposed to be out, and it's not out because what? It's not done. So don't tell me it's going to come out. What was that? Yeah, how does that, how does that a criticism of the one? album itself? Just wait till it comes out. You'll see. It can't. I, in my opinion, it can't be worse than Ye. Ye didn't feel very. Uh, I liked it when it came out. I still think it's an okay album. I just don't. I love Pablo. Like I think Pablo's a great album. Like yeah. it's it's good to listen to. It's good to I rap think, along to. I think it's, the fact that he continuously con- like yeah, tweaked. But- Pablo proved that even he didn't like Pablo. But here's the thing. No, here's but, the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna argue something here in Pablo's favor. Oh, that's what I was gonna do. For me, for me, just to be clear, when we say Pablo, we're referring to the album and not me. 
right? Yeah, yeah. But the only reason I'm saying I want to I want to chime in on this quickly is because I see where Paul's coming from in terms of it being his worst album, which I agree with. I think up until yeah, it's his worst album. I still think it's better than we would give it credit for over the last two years. I find myself going back to Pablo more than I expected myself to go back to it when I first heard it. And I was like, oh, this is a throwaway. This is the first throwaway Kanye album I've ever heard. And it wasn't even a full throwaway album. It just had a lot of throwaway tracks on it. One of the tracks, he basically just plays the song Panda by Designer. Yeah, and it's fucking amazing. Yeah, because Panda by Designer was a banger. No, but you you have to understand... The only reason that Panda was a banger was because of Kanye West. One hundred percent. I was hearing it that charted song. without him. That song was charting without. No, him. it was charting without Kanye West because the sample was used in the Kanye West song. Came out. It wasn't available yet on Apple Music, and then it started charting after that because people wanted to hear Panda because they loved the sample of that. Well, the but lyrics that song, are incredible. That the song would not have charted. Without Kanye West using it, I wouldn't say no, it wouldn't have charted. Would it wouldn't have. It wouldn't have Dude, peaked the way it did. He didn't it, call. It charted before who, Kanye yeah, was on that, it. That man. song was playing. Like that I song was, was already out. That and song, charted. like that song, was playing at NBA games, like before playoff season. Like it was big. Dude, it was on Beats One all the time. Dude, it was only on Beats One all the time after Life of Pablo. No, nah, definitely before. It wasn't. I'm telling you. This, I mean, again, I think this is anecdotal on both our fronts here, but we could probably check on. I'm checking it right now. It it peaked on the Billboard charts after Life Pablo, of Pablo came. Hundred percent. But we're not arguing whether it peaked. We're Some arguing whether it was on the chart. In any hip what is, what is your chart that you're going by, though? The Billboard chart. Yeah, man. but what Billboard? What top hundred? Top two fifty? Top hundred? Yeah, I don't think it did, man. It was on the chart. It was on the chart prior to it coming out on Pablo's album. So I have mixed feelings. So while he looks that up, I have mixed feelings about saying. Like, The Life of Pablo is his worst album because The Life of Pablo also includes some of my favorite songs by him. Like, No More Parties in L.A. I think might be one of his best... Like, one of his best songs from, like, I'm going to say from the last 10 years, we can say that, like, like, I would say, like, No More Parties in L.A. is definitely up there and I love it. It's one of... I think it's one of Kendrick Lamar's best collaborations. Um, The Black Panther album entirely notwithstanding. But... It's just the whole thing felt so disjointed. I didn't feel like a coherent message. It it just felt iffy. And the fact that he kept having to go back and change it was almost like, but, uh, but so is this not ready? Shane's right. So here's what happened. It, it charted. It was eligible to chart because it was released in December of 2015. It charted on the first week of March of 2016, which was two weeks after Pablo came out. Hundred percent, yeah. Thank, yeah, thank just, you, thank I know you for I, verifying. I but know I still, I but I still think that uh, that 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 song was it still in charted, rotation beforehand. What, so it would have charted if there was somebody backing it. If it was just designed, like I remember when that song came out and the, the album came out and people were listening to it and like, who is this fake ass Future? Like, why wouldn't Kanye get Future on the album? That was everybody's yeah. That thought was my process. immediate reaction behind it too. Hundred percent. I designer, think a lot of people actually thought it was future yeah, until it acted. Because we watched was that live, like the Madison yeah. Square Garden show, and and the immediate thought was that Panda, or sorry, that Future was on that song. One hundred percent. And that's my thing is like that's the Kanye West effect. That's the essence of Life of Pablo. Is you also have to look at Life of Pablo as a historic time when um, Chance the Rapper, Coloring Book came out after Life of Pablo. Part of the reason that Coloring Book was so successful was because of Chance the Rapper's involvement on Life of Pablo. Okay, so if our debate here, and I just want to, I just want to put this particular question to rest quickly. If not Life of Pablo being Kanye's worst album, what is Kanye's worst album to you? I f- 
for me, like, l- listen to, like, the, my, I can't say worst album because I enjoy, like, I actually enjoy them all, honestly. Um, it would be a tie between 808s and Heartbreak, and Yay is my, <gasps> least, my, my least listened. He said, well, okay. he, he put 808s in there. I could see, I could see why, though. Too. My, oh my God. So my I, second, my second worst is Jesus. But, Oh, I don't agree with that. But here's my oh, thing. Here's my other point my too. Album. Here's my other point Spoiler. to debate what you were saying, Paul. Is you don't like the fact that Kanye went back and made all those adjustments on Life of Pablo because you think he thinks it's unfinished. But the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson, consistently made changes on their most famous, like their most critically acclaimed album. He consistently makes changes on because he's tweaking it because it's not. He finds it's not perfect. And I was gonna say, I don't think that it's is a fair, such a good point. You're you're 100 right. I don't think um, it's a fair criticism though for for editing too because Pablo was a good uh, measuring point for where music distribution was at in 2016 when Spotify and Apple Music started to dominate in terms of the predominant method of people listening to music. And prior to that, when you pressed something and put it out as a CD, there really wasn't a way to go back and amend a song because it was already pressed yes. out there. With streaming, you have the ability to yeah. reset a song. So I feel like more artists probably would have done it had the technology of Spotify and Apple Music been out there before. Because generally speaking, the Beach Boys included would have done remasters sooner on if there weren't production costs associated with repressing an album and getting it back out to distributors again. This way it can go from artists directly to the platform and you can make those edits within seconds and it can be out available to the public within a matter of minutes of you actually yeah. mixing and finishing that song. And- that's what Anderson Pac has already said he's doing with his next album. He's he's like, yeah, he's like, Oxnard's going to come out. They just finished remastering it again because they edited it. And he's like, it's probably going to continue to be edited after it's out and we're still going to be making tweaks on it. So I like, think it's impossible for an artist to be 100% happy with their work. So yeah, I, I mean, especially somebody like with the neuroticism that Kanye West has, like, you know, he would he would have done that on anything. And I think he went no. back and edited Yeezus after Yeezus was out for years. He yeah, went back Black and edited the, got a small edit on yeah. uh, on the beginning part of it. So think about I that. Think like, that's, that's I nuts. think that's an excellent point. And but that's just one of the things that sticks out to yeah, me. But sure. I would say the thing that is the biggest part, and I think you alluded to it earlier, Daniel, when you mentioned that you said the word throwaway. And I think that's the thing. I think. One of the things you can't take away from Kanye West, despite his penchant for controversy and the different ways he can rub people wrong in a dozen different ways, all in like one press cycle. But the thing is, is every time Kanye West has put out an album, he has established trends. He has influenced music. When Life of Pablo came out, like, yeah, there are some real, there's some real bangers. There's some real bops, so to speak, on that album. But... Life of Pablo feels very reactionary to what was big at that time. Again, we can. I, it's clear that we're probably going to disagree on how relevant Panda by Designer was before or after it, but it really didn't seem like anything that came from Life of Pablo was a space where everyone else was like, yeah, now I'm going to do yeah, this. The I, Chance collab. I, yeah, I would disagree with that. Yeah, because I would say Chance did but that. But wouldn't you say that that's Chance's influence no. and not Kanye's? No, because if you ask Chance, Chance is the person who said, like, I'm working with Kanye, right? I'm making all this stuff. And he even says it on the on that song, on Ultra Light Beam, where he's like, we need to make the bar so hard that, like, you're going to snatch the Grammy or whatever, the however the song goes. Him and Kanye collaborated on that, and Kanye even wrote out, he's like, I'm making a gospel record. And then Coloring Book comes out, and it's very much in the same vein as that ultralight beam, which, unfortunately for a lot of people, was their introduction into Chance the Rapper, 
on Life of Pablo. Again, it's the Kanye West effect. I just feel it was a gospel without a message. I feel like he got up on the podium and he went and he he said his bit, but at the end of it, you're just like, wait, so what? It didn't, it, it felt, I guess it, and, and I guess this is going to be our deep dive of Life of Pablo, but Life of Pablo to me felt, Paul put it best earlier, it has some of the best Kanye songs that we've heard in a very long time. The press cycle leading up to Life of Pablo has produced two, I would say, of my all-time favorite Kanye songs. One, which isn't on the album, is All Day. And then two is Wolves. I think Wolves is, is amazing. Yeah. I think fix the, Wolves. I think the demo version of Wolves is a little and, bit and better than the one with the verse. And yeah. this is where yeah. I get back to yeah. Life of Pablo being not what I wanted that album to me to be, sorry, but it was still a good album. Like, I still go back to it. I listen to the oh, album yeah. version of Wolves, but every so often I just think about, like, is this really... Is this the the product of him working on it for so long that he also like his own neuroses basically put himself in front of being able to complete an album and making it sound as cohesive as his albums have in the past? Um, and and what I'll point to there is when he originally announced the tracklist for Life of Pablo, it was twelve songs. Within the two weeks of him writing that on Twitter or Instagram or wherever he shared that tracklist to its actual release, it goes from twelve songs to nineteen songs, and that's where I feel like he actually lost some of his vision for that record. Is putting out an additional seven yeah. songs on an already long Kanye West album, considering Kanye albums leading up to that point hadn't been hadn't been longer than eleven or twelve songs since what was the last album that was 11 or 12 songs from Kanye, man? Like, it would have been late registration, I think. Graduation was 12. No, graduation and, and was 14. Point, like, graduation was 14, including the, the bonus tracks and everything? Uh, oh, no, no, no. That was... You're right, you're right. That was a longer album. No, Big Brother was track 12 on that album. Uh, no, it was... It, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, track number 12 is Homecoming. Track number 13 is Big Brother. Track number 14 is the bonus. Okay, so yeah. So 13 tracks. That's still, I mean... It's a it's a big cut since uh, since late registration was twenty two or something like that, and college dropout was in that area as well. I think something important to also note is that with three dudes who love Kanye West sitting here, like when we say our least favorite Kanye West album, still a good album. It's it's not me saying like if you told me like I can choose an album to listen to and Life of Pablo is there, I can I'm probably gonna listen to Life of Pablo. Father Stretch My Hands is awesome. Part yeah. one, dude. dude like me. the first, and this is this is where I agree with you guys as it being a weak album is like. It, it really gets a lot of momentum and then all of a sudden there's like a stop and then there's like a, a wait and then it gets great again. Like I hate the fact that because Wiz Khalifa called out Kanye West for saying that waves or whatever, he puts a fucking prison phone call on his out. Like that's to me is a waste. Like that's a waste of a track. It, that's just a waste. But, but the, that waste song was time. time. Like that's a great song. Like Chris Brown on that is great. And I hate Chris Brown, but I, I agree with you, Daniel, where Life of Pablo also holds a special moment for me because we were in New York City when we first heard the leak of Fade and it was a live playing in a club and we Virgil played put it. it on. We played, we it, played it Yeah. On, it, like a, an enormous amount of times. I don't know if that's a measure of if that's the right word I'm using, but too many times. In fact, we played it and every time multitude. we would get we, yeah, a multitude of times, we would get so amped by it. And then we started to hear the demos, and we get so amped by it. I think the best version that I heard of Life of Pablo was the version where most of the stuff never made the album. Yeah, that leak that came out after to me, the demo of All yeah. Day, the demo of Wolves, the demo of Fade, were actually my favorite versions of the tracks that eventually made the album. Yeah. I think Life of Pablo as an enigma, like that album that we weren't sure, it went through many changes over the years. It was originally called Swish. It was eventually called... 
something else. I don't remember the entire naming structure for that album, but it that changed. That wasn't Turbo Graphics, was it? No, no, no. Mm. Turbo, Turbo Graphics was supposed to come out the summer after Life of Pablo, but it felt, it never felt quite as, um, as thought out and as uh, precise as every Kanye record up into that point just felt so well thought out. If you take my dis- my, my Twisted Dark Fantasy um, and my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, sorry. Thank is, you. Is, uh, beautiful. It's so dark, well thought out beginning twisted. to every note on that album has an intentional yeah. feeling yeah. that it yeah. wants to evoke. Life of Pablo doesn't have that. And I think that that's okay, but... In the same token, it just didn't feel. It just felt like the first time in in Kanye's entire career that he wasn't concerned so much about what the quality of the album was, and it was more about the album as a product. He did it as you know, he played that album when he was debuting Easy Season Three live at Madison Square Garden. So it was that moment where I think Kanye went from amazing hip hop artist who makes amazing albums, who happens to do fashion on the side, to getting to the point where. Yeezy as a brand overarching was the most important thing to Kanye mm-hmm. West. There's there was no divider between his music and his and his clothing. Yep. They were all the same thing. It was here's my Kanye product yeah. album, here's my shoes, here's my shirts, here's these guys that I'm going to get on stage and this is this is now what I am. There's no separation between the two worlds that I exist Church and in, state right? Right. is no yeah. longer different. Yeah. So yeah. I, like I really want to hear Shane, I agree with you 100% by the way Daniel. I really want to hear Shane's views on uh 808s but i would say one thing is like it feels like the life of pablo press cycle was definitely the last time where kanye really felt unabashedly fun like i was having fun with kanye like i hadn't reached the point yet where i was just like i get it dude you make ugly shoes and the strength of your name sells them but like it was the last time i had full full unadulterated fun listening to kanye west making a bunch of you know uptight people upset i before he started to you know I mean, I would I would argue that point and say that Kanye West post Yay up until the end of the Wyoming projects was a great little glimpse back to the old Kanye West. I thought was great, like him having a listening party in Queens with Nas, and you see him and he's vibing and he's in Wyoming. You know, wearing typical a red hat. He wasn't wearing a red hat in that. Yeah, but it's like this is around the time. When no, he's... this is this is when he stepped away from it and then he came back to it. So like he stepped away from all that, and then doubled and then, down on it and recently. Then, yeah, again. then yeah. doubled down on it after all of the Wyoming stuff came out. Well, uh, I mean, he hung out. He hung out with Trump, like like that was pre. After. That was pre. Yay. That, that was pre. Yay. Yeah, that was in the first draft of Yay because he basically the way that the story goes and the timeline goes is that Kanye West wrote Yay, all that stuff, the Wyoming projects, hung out with Trump, then went on that TMZ, got blasted by that dude. That sounds wrong, but got yelled at, whatever. Then he scrapped Ye and rewrote... Made that dude's career, because now he's the dude who yelled at Kanye yeah. West. So he scrapped Ye, came out with a new version of Ye, and then basically changed that outlook and was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is the new Kanye West. And then came out of Ye, and when everyone's like, oh, my God, Kanye West is becoming Kanye West again. He's mellowing out. Instagram videos talking about Nick Cannon, talking about this, talking about that, that whoop, back to make America great and all that type of stuff. So I would say in the Wyoming project, there was a little nugget of old Kanye there, which I really liked. But my views on 808. Yes, let's hear this. Is the reason it's my least listened project is it came out when I was in high school. Um, and I was, I had been a Kanye West fan since grade seven when my teacher introduced me to Kanye West. Um, whoa, whoa. 
we're not going to gloss over this. Your teacher introduced you to Kanye West. Which yeah. teacher? What topic? Uh, my teacher, Miss Megalanis. Uh, she Shout w- out Miss Megalanis. Miss Megs, as she went by. She drove a yellow Mitsubishi Lancer. More uh, like Miss Megalanis. Sharing the same car choice as me. Yeah, but it was like a classic. It was like the Fast yours and the blue. Furious one. Yeah, but it's still a Mitsubishi Yeah, but Lancer. yours was a couple generations later. She had like an early one. Anyways, regardless. I'm just saying. You're not an OG. She choreographed. <laughs> Birds of a feather. She choreographed a dance for the class. Uh, to Kanye West, uh, or the Dilated People featuring Kanye West, this way, Great and song. it is a, Great song. it is a, it is the first song that introduced me to Kanye West, and then obviously Jesus wrote walks and everything else came. Jesus out. wrote walks. Yeah, Jesus wrote walks. All that came out after, but I played the hype man in the school play, so I was filling it all the yeah what yeah a shock man from Clint East to Kanye West. What up? What up? That was me. I was the what up? What up guy. But it was great. Uh, so, anyways, it came out in in high school, 808s and Heartbreak, and I was like, "Why is this fucking emo Kanye West coming out?" And it was electronic, and I didn't want to hear it at the time. And I was like, "Okay, cool, man." Doom, 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 doom. And I was like, "Man, I'm, I'm not, not really digging this." Yeah, I was. It wasn't for me. Like, it really wasn't for me at that time in my life. Because you don't, you didn't have a heart connected to two ears. No, I did, but I was listening to other things. I think so. I, I think because <coughs> again, this is this is all subjective and personal. It's not it's not an objective view on the album. It's for me and what it was in that time. I never really listened to a lot of it. I went back and listened to it, and I can listen to it. I think it's a good album for sure. It's, I think it's the Kanye West album for for fans of not Kanye West. Like it it, it sounds strange yes. in that like a lot of people that I know that don't love Kanye West yep. love 808s and Heartbreak. There is a person who I do not trust their music taste whatsoever. They're the type of person who skips halfway through pyramids and thinks that that's the best part of Frank Ocean. And they listen to 808s and Heartbreak and they're like, it's the best fucking Kanye album I've ever heard. It's the best, man. I'm like, the only reason you like it is because there's a lot of bass because there's 808s in it. That's why you love it. So I think I think out of all the Kanye West albums, and a, a personal preference aside, I think we can you can there's a good debate to be made that Kanye West this ties into what Paul said earlier. Every single album that he's released has had an influence. Maybe not more recently, but definitely his first six or so. Yeah. Every time he put out an album, it marked a change in what we were now going to hear from music yes. for the time going forward. I think the one that had the greatest impact was 808s and Heartbreak. I would agree I with that. I think it's shaped yeah. not Auto only hip hop. Yeah. It shaped the future of music. Without him, there is no Drake in the way that Drake is. There's no so far, so far gone. There's no Take Care. Um, like I think a lot of those are indebted. There's no to T Pain. Oh, no. There's well, T Pain was before that, but I think that you already had a, a small niche group of artists that were utilizing uh uh the the vocoder and the and the autotune in in t-pain and and cuddy had that kind of lo-fi crooning but also depressing sound but kanye took that and a lot of people say he ripped off t-pain but what i actually think he did is that he started to to open up people's eyes to autotune not being using a device same, yeah. that you use to cover up the fact that you can't sing using and the actually same using a dramatically it, different like outcome is not a ripoff what do you mean? Like when people say like it's a ripoff thing, like just because like two people used autotune, like get over it. Well, here's the distinction that I make in my head. T-Pain uses it because it was a tool that was available to him. And I think that he did a great job of 
of of changing the soundscape of what the future of R&B was going to sound like, which yeah. is awesome, great for him. A lot of people said that it's because he couldn't sing. That's fine. He can sing though. He for can the sing. Yeah, yeah he, he has a he has a song on. I think it's on. And he'll buy you a drink on three three rings or something like that about but his kids. Even and his he tiny, sing. yeah, and his tiny desk concert. Yeah, and his tiny desk concert. But I think what Kanye did is he said, okay, what I want to do with my voice here is make it an instrument in the way that I don't yes. play instruments. I want this to be no different than when you add a filter to a, a guitar to, to create a dramatic effect or to create something different. And I think that that's where we've seen artists like Travis Scott, you, the whole the whole industry now of hip hop music uses that auto-tune mumble rap. Like I think that Kanye crooning on a lot of, of uh, 808s and Heartbreak probably inspired a lot of that. A lot of the kids that are now growing up that are becoming rappers and SoundCloud artists and whatever, musician whatever you want to title them probably listen to 808s and heartbreak and that's a big piece of inspiration yeah. for them and i think that that's where it may not be the favorite of amongst a lot of kanye west fans but it definitely i don't think it can be argued that it had the the greatest lasting impact out of any of the albums that he's ever created and i think that we still haven't seen an end to that inspiration because it's still going on right now the current state of music still sounds like it was directly inspired by 808s and that was 10 years ago it's been 10 years since yeah. 808s and heartbreak before you drew direct lineage to 808s and heartbreaks and drake <clears throat> um i would have said that that was probably my favorite kanye west album mm. and i do like kanye west like i've i've liked kanye west all the way through musically at least um but man that makes me so sad to think that I, like, I, I would... my, mo my most enjoyed kanye west album is the, like the reason i'm hearing drake talk about his mom I don't think it. I don't think 808s lends to the the lyrical style of Drake. I think it lends to the musical no, style. No, ghostwriters lend to the lyrical style of Drake. So what I was gonna say is that okay. So you listen to So Far Gone and yeah. you sound. You listen to the production style of So Far Gone, and I think it's not a stretch to say that Drake up until that point, if you listen to Comeback Season, if you listen to um, his previous works to that when he was just rapping and he sounded like Slum Village and Little Brother. He then goes into So Far Gone, and it sounds very much like he heard 808s and Heartbreak and was like, that. Like, that is that is the closest piece of music that I can identify with, and I can use that as a platform for me to grow my own brand as Drake the Artist. And I don't think he ever got away from that. I think that it's really only in the last couple of years mm -hmm. that he's now spread out to different parts of the world, and he's absorbed different elements of different cultures. But I think his start-off point really was... Aiden Waits and Heartbreak. And he raps Say You Will, I think, is a song that he actually raps over on So Far Gone. So it's pretty on the nose, but I mean that's a it it it, it is it lines up right in line with when 808s would have had a direct impact on on the hip hop. So what is your favorite Kanye album? To me it's Yeezus. Yeezus. Yeah. And I get I get it because the description you gave for 808s and Heartbreak and how he uses autotune is only tuned up more on Jesus. Yeah. It is literally it's Travis Scott and Kanye West melded together with like heavy hitting music, lyrics written by lyrically talented people coming out and writing some songs. Like I would walk down the aisle to Bound. That would be my aisle song when I'm getting married. I want Bound 2 playing. Mm. I want that playing down. I was listening uh, to it in the car right here and I was like I could fucking walk down the aisle to this. That whole Tony Williams There's chorus, real. it's dude, great. Like it, full lyrics or just the, the song? Dude, I want to fuck I'm you hard in the sink. Is not. That gets you something to drink, dearly beloved. We're here to. Yeah, dude. Don't get spunk on the mink. I mean, what would Jerome Rome think? Like, I'm so okay with walking down the aisle to that. 
that that shows like that album is great it's very underappreciated people think that it's a shitty throwaway album and i think they just need to open their eyes because it's it again when we talk about the impact that an album has that impact is still being felt through the success of travis scott and the success of you know these other guys who came out and really you know how you said that you think that 808s really formed that soundcloud rap that mumble rap those th- i i would say that i would argue that yeezus did that more in the vein that it is the same essence of 808 and heartbreak yep. turned up and then those people grew up with yeezus and were like i like the hard-hitting nature of this i want to be like this where i could scream on my song or like talk gibberish and like you know like new slaves or do 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 like i want to i want to make it hit hard like i would argue that that was more influential in the in the current rap that we're hearing i would than that. what i would share i mean for me Jesus is is uh i think similar to you know you described an experience where you kind of first got introduced via kanye west obviously i mean by the time that Jesus came out i was already a huge kanye west fan um but i think shane you on that like you nailed it in that it feels like 808s and Jesus, it Jesus feels like a sequel to 808s to me. Like yeah. it feels like everything that he learned about uh, formulating an album that wasn't Kanye West at the time, he just turned up to a ten on Jesus, and then that had a rolling impact. So it's almost like 808s inspired Kanye to make Jesus, and then Jesus has now inspired a bunch of other artists to make sounds that actually sound very similar to Jesus, yeah. right? So that whole you know scream on a track you don't necessarily need to rap you don't need to have verse structure you don't need to have verse one verse two verse three it could be anything that you want and that used to be a foreign concept and now most hip-hop songs have one or two verses the third verse is something that you hear very very seldom anymore it's usually from a featured artist yeah um, or for somebody else that's that's contributing to the track but for me Jesus is we all agree that dark twisted fantasies is his best album unanimously mm-hmm. i think it's it's going to go down as his magnum opus i think people are going to study that if they're already not to me it that is the perfect music. album it's the perfect album and i agree and i think with that in mind if you're kanye west and you've just put out the perfect album and you just proved to the world that you can make a perfect album the only way that you're going to be able to see success with a follow-up product is not or a project is not to make another perfect album it's to come way out of left field and make something that sounds so distant from what you've made in the past that people can't help but but you know tune into that and find out what was the thought process behind that album and to me that's what Jesus is it's you know it's the perfect transition from I achieved perfection now I'm just going to go off the wall and basically do something that you guys haven't heard at all before but it's still going to sound familiar because it's all it's also not that far removed mm. from songs like hell of a life or you know that 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 aesthetic that he's had on albums in the past but he's never kind of fully realized um, and then the other part of that for me is when I went to New York City for the first time, it was to go see Kanye West play Yeezus in person live at Governor's Ball. And he played the album from track one to track, I guess, 10, whatever is on Yeezus. And I had, didn't know any of the titles, didn't know any of the features. The only songs that I had really heard were New Slaves, which played on a projection um, at the ROM when I was driving downtown one night, which is fucking awesome. And then Black Skin had he played on SNL at some point in time. So other mm. than that... Didn't know features, didn't know when it was going to, you know, when we were going to hear it. And then it turned out it was out a week later and I had already heard some of those songs live, which was a a really, really cool experience. Um, So that all kind of feeds into that as well. But aside from that, it's my favorite just because of how fucking strange and obscure and how much it just almost doesn't fit his catalog at all. It's not him at his creative peak, but it's him like once he's reached that point, right? It's him post 
uh, post a collaboration with Jay Z, which feels like you know it feels like the big colla- like the big collab of like our generation of hip hop is like Jay Z and Kanye West, like a pseudo wash Jay Z coming together and doing the Watch the Throne with him, and but it's just it feels like them not at their it feels like him not at his best, but having known a lot of stuff, it's almost like he's kind of like you know when like they do a, like an action movie and there's the last movie in the like where he's too old for this shit die hard three it's die hard yeah four. it's the him coming back he knows some stuff he's not as quick as he used to but you know what he knows he knows how to get through a situation and you know he and honestly that that uses tour was incredible yeah it wasn't incredible it was it was incredible yeah, yeah. like it may it may go down as one of like we went to go see we went to go see him on the the same pablo, pablo tour, tour. Yeah. And coming from having seen him last on Yeezus to the St. Pablo tour made the St. Pablo tour hard to accept. It was just like, I mean, you gave me Yeezus and you want me to accept this platform as like what you like your creative, your creativity. Like, I actually don't think his best show. Uh, it's funny enough. I don't think his best live tour as much as Yeezus is my favorite album. It's not. His, I, I saw him for Glow in the Dark and that to me is. is, is yeah, but that's the that that is that the back end. That is best. something that nobody will ever experience no. again. And that is my most. The biggest mistake and the biggest loss in my life has been not going to the Glow in the Dark tour. It was exactly what I was listening to. It was who I was at the time. Like it was the essence of me. Like I remember seeing that Lupe Fiasco was at Livestock. Let me just give you the lineup for this tour really quickly. It was nuts. Nerd, Rihanna, Lupe Fiasco. Kanye West, like that's that is directed by the Jim Henson. All you have to do is get through Rihanna, guys, and it gets pretty good. Rihanna, honestly, at that point in time, Rihanna wasn't the wasn't she, what she was right now. She had, I think, one or two albums at the time, and she fit into and that was she my, fit that tour. That was my favorite Nerd era. That yeah. that album, like Seeing Colors, I fucking love. Like I think Seeing Colors is like the Yeezus. Seeing sounds, you mean? Yeah, Seeing Sounds. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Seeing Colors. Everyone can see colors. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I can't see colors. Not everyone. Oh, can that's see true. Colors. My father is colorblind. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, <laughs> Totally forgot. <laughs> I was referring to his colorblindness as a general affliction. Okay, thanks, guys. Okay, continue your Cuts thought. Cuts deep. But that's to me, is NERD's Jesus. Like, when you listen to that album, it hits hard. It knocks. It's it's raunchy. I, I really liked it. And I fucking regret so deeply that I didn't get to go to it. Now, here's my question to stir the pot. Is Watch the Throne a Kanye West album? Okay, before uh, we get to that, hang on. Before we jump into that, your favorite Kanye West album. We'll come back to this. That was 808s. 808s. Oh, sorry. I okay, thought we'd love with 808s. Okay. I thought you were, I thought we were talking about What was your favorite? His favorite. Mine is My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Okay. All right. Cool. It so doesn't, it, again, it we, doesn't, we are in that doesn't need any explanation. Yeah. All right. So I think is, all of us can see that. But that's that also my favorite. Like, yeah. not non objectively, like subjectively, like my greediness and what I like and what I don't like. That's my favorite. But I think that the, the difference there is that Paul and I can probably both look at that and say that makes sense. Like, I, I don't have yeah. an argument as yeah. to why it wouldn't be your favorite album, right? Yeah. Like, if I had to, if, if I had to, if I were in a situation where I was like talking to somebody who's going to, who's like going to be, like appraising my taste in music and i was just like what is the answer i'm gonna give i'm gonna, give them, I'm gonna tell them my twisted dark fantasy but deep down inside it's 808s which is cool well so, you would call it by the wrong name so they wouldn't trust you he's watched the throne the kanye west album twisted dark fantasy nope close my is kanye west is is, con- is is watch do the throne i think kanye watch west the throne is a kanye west album yeah. i think so okay Paul. it's it, the other question is then i mean We'll get to that. We'll cross that bridge in a second. I got another follow-up. Uh, absolutely. That album is Kanye West, and Jay-Z is lucky to be around. Okay. What do you think? 
I'm I, this I struggle back and forth with this. When it first came out, it felt it felt like Kanye West was the creative director behind the album, but the driving force, at least from a like the production, Swiss Beats was on it. It was the first time that we had heard Kanye rap over a lot of other people's beats. Um, it felt more like a Jay Z project, like it was produced for Jay Z, and Kanye just happened to be around and oversaw the aesthetic and kind of all of the promotional side of it. Was what I thought initially. Going back to it now. I think it was actually one of the first times that Kanye really, really got creative and sorry, that's not the right term to use. I mean, <laughs> the first time Kanye West got creative, really, like really, <laughs> really, really, really out of the box in terms of like the way that he produced for himself and collaborators, like the fact that he brought in Swizz to produce, um, welcome to the jungle, but he still oversaw the overall project. Like he felt, it felt very much like he was taking other people and making them work within what he knows works well for Jay-Z, if that makes sense. It didn't It didn't feel like that initially, because it was just like, oh, Kanye doesn't rap on Liftoff, and on a lot of these songs, it just kind of feels like he's just the featured artist, and he's there to just, like, big up Jay-Z. But in all actuality, now that I go back to it, I hear Kanye on Otis, I hear Kanye on um, on Black Excellence, on New Day. Uh, like, he's, he's, he's the driving force behind a lot of those records, and I just don't know why it, initially when I first heard it, I didn't think yeah. that. So to me, it's now almost, it is, yeah. It's almost like being forced to work in a collaborative <laughs> environment with another artist as big as Kanye West at that time, at least from a public perception. It's almost like having somewhere that check Kanye West resulted in Kanye West being an excellent collaborator and producing great music. But didn't like, we already know that about Kanye West for a long time? Like he had already collaborated. Oh yeah, I was with... just looking for an opportunity to just bring up oh. the fact that, like, in his current unrelease, unrelenting state, where he's like, no one can say anything to Kanye West. Like, it's obviously not going to be his his peak creative time. Probably not right now. But like, ultimately, I think you you brought up a point about as far as like Jay Z holding up Kanye, and I think, or I mean, sorry, Kanye holding up Jay Z, and I think that I think a big part of that is like. I think that album without Kanye there is just throwaway. I think that's the that's the start of like the Magna Carta point of like. I Jay-Z's. think for me, I think for me, why I grew up a huge Jay Z fan. I think Jay Z. I think the Jay Z that we see is not the Jay Z that pushes Kanye behind closed doors. So I think their dynamic when they're creating an album. I think we hear the best of Kanye because Jay-Z's pushed Kanye to be the best Kanye West. And the reason that I think that is when you hear Kanye talk about Never Let Me Down or Diamonds or a lot of records that Kanye's featured on, or sorry, Jay-Z's featured on on Kanye albums, Kanye talks about going back and revisiting his verses because Jay-Z's outperformed him on that song. So I actually think there's a dynamic there where we don't get to see that. We get to see the finished product, but we don't get to see Jay-Z go in, not write a verse, and then basically, you know, get into Kanye's head to the extent that Kanye thinks, shit, what I made is not good enough. I have to go back and rewrite this. That's that aspect of it. I think we don't get to fully appreciate, which is why I See, think that Jay-Z actually is, has a bigger input. But this is post My Beautiful for. Twisted Dark Fantasy. Same like era. Kanye. They recorded it at the same time. But what I mean is like at this point, he's the artist that has created this album. Like he is uh, uh, from a stature standpoint, like. They're Jay Z is kind of like it's kind of like end boss for him as far as like if we're looking at narrative wise like in the arc of who Kanye West is going to become this is the last hurrah in which he really has a peer. You think that I I would this you think this is the last time he had a peer like like what who kids he goes 
No, but I mean like appear in that this is co- like in, appear in the same way that like. Mm, do, do you I mean say? like somebody that's an equal to him? Ex- that's what I mean. There's Drake's someone... like that right now, though. Uh, I actually, say... I think Drake is actually better. Like he's he's at, he's at a higher point of. Like I think Kanye has I now think that ranked second on or how third. Now. I think that depends. I mean, right now we're definitely not looking at like. Not to, I feel, I feel like we're looking at like kind of a shell of Kanye. Kanye is obviously not, not full Kanye right now. So I don't He's know. If it's I don't know if it's necessarily a good way to. I He's, don't know if it's yeah. necessarily a good way to like compare the two. And also, I think comparing Drake to other hip hop artists is not fair because Drake employs a lot of pop star strategies at this point. Drake is basically like hip hop flavored Taylor Swift. But it's hard. It's hard to now that hip hop is the predominant. Uh, genre of music in North America, it's hard to not still be a hip hop artist. Even if you're a pop star, you can still be a hip hop artist and still be a pop star. It's the first time I feel like we're starting to actually feel that hip hop is the dominant like like genre of music. So that it's kind of it makes sense that the most dominant artist in the world is a hip hop artist. I agree with you. Yeah. I think he's a pop star first and foremost. But I think qualitatively, I guess what I'm gonna say here is then. At that point, the only qualitative peer that Kanye West had at that point was Jay-Z. was a guy who yeah who hadn't released a lot of music at that point, and the last apex of like his musical career at that point was going to be released with Kanye West, and Kanye West was going to be a big part of that. I could see that. So I, mean, I think that to me, like from a, a narrative standpoint, like that looks like it's a bigger event for Kanye West and like the, the like the arc of Kanye West's career than it is for Jay Z. Who after that would release an album for Samsung, which is awful. But then yeah. 444 was a great album. Yeah, 444 was great. It was an excellent album. If yeah. you haven't listened to 444, you I should go highly, back. So I highly if you I haven't listened to, to 444. I, how did you do it? I you haven't listened to 444. Oh no, I've, I've listened to it. Okay, okay. like how can you not, dude? I, I stepping away and saying it on mic and recording it in the history of this podcast. I am not a Jay Z fan. I'd never have pretended to be. I've been very outspoken about it. Four, four, four. My was, family has accepted great. it. I've, I'm in therapy, but like, you do recognize the value of Jay Z. Of course, I'm there. I'm there with you. Like, I'm well, I'm not 100 percent there with you, but I'm there with you in that. I, I'm not like a huge Jay Z fan, but I recognize the value of Jay Z. I do enjoy 444. Yeah, I mean, again, like, you can never not, and just like I, I recognize, like, I will never take away what Drake's done for hip hop. So here's where my Kanye. <laughs> People are going to perceive it as my Kanye apologist coming out, but I find it really hard to 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 differentiate Kanye the person from Kanye the artist because some of Kanye's best work, arguably his best work, Dark Twisted Fantasy, actually kind of came out of him being like assassinating his own character with the whole Taylor Swift incident. So for me, I know it's different now because it's more political and it's a lot more polarizing in terms of the things that he's talking about with slavery and with, you know, there's 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 political factions that are not on board with what Kanye say. And even some of the things that he said, I'm, I'm 100% I'm not on board with. But I think that it's still hard to remove who he is as an individual from his music because so much of a, of his music is made great because of who he is as an individual. My number one argument for that would be Runaway. Runaway doesn't exist if Kanye is not an asshole, if he's not a self-proclaimed asshole. Yeah. So how do you... So like, how, how is it... Now it's different because his quality of music's not as good, but back then it's just... 
I don't know. I can't make the separation. I've tried to make the separation, but for me to, to enjoy Kanye's music means that you have to enjoy Kanye the person because it feeds so deeply into what his music is. So your least favorite album. Yeah. Yay, right. Yeah. Cool. Kanye West assassinates his character going out, make America great again, meeting with Trump steps back from it, releases. Yay. You know, I hate being bipolar. It's awesome. Okay. Admitting mm-hmm. his faults. His runaway is the song track um, Wouldn't Leave featuring Party Next Door. That's his runaway. That's his, oh my God, I'm an asshole, but Kim wouldn't leave me. That's his runaway of this generation. But but to me... The, but that's, that's the separation for me now. But to I me, think for, for a song like... You can listen. To, for me, "Runaway" is is top five Kanye song. Like I don't think you can argue that "Run Runaway" doesn't have one of the biggest impacts on his career out of any song that he's ever done. Him walking out, doing it with Push Alive as his like as his you know redemption for what he had done before and his apology to the public because of everything that he had done up until that point. Wouldn't leave is like a it's a it's a just a meandering track in the middle of a throwaway album. To me, it, it felt mm. like a throwaway album. I agree. So, it doesn't have the same cultural gravity that Runaway did because of the way that it was presented. It's hidden away on this album. And to be honest, Kanye doesn't even really rap on Wouldn't Leave. He just kind of he's singing lyrics that he wrote a week before this album came out. Like that whole. But that to me is is like you're saying when you can't separate the Kanye from the artist. This is the Kanye you have now. This this is the Kanye. He's represented there. Just like he was represented during my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Yeah. I and that's it's... why I'm saying like I can't I can't stand not that I have to stand. Not that it's a it's a mission in life or a religion or a a task that I have to stand and I have to bat for Kanye West. But I can't stand there and pretend that Kanye West today is anywhere near like you look back at yeah. good good Fridays. Like, good-ass music, Good Fridays. He says, oh, my God, uh, Cruel Winter's coming out. Where the fuck's Cruel Winter? Cruel Summer is a great compilation album where Kanye West puts good music on the map and puts out a lot of great stuff. Where's Cruel Winter not coming out? What does any of that have to do with him as an individual? No, but what I'm talking about, man, is I look at Kanye today, and he's not the Kanye of yesteryear. No. He's not, yeah. the, he's not the Kanye who produced Jesus. He's not the Kanye who produced My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. He's not, So when you say you can't separate Kanye West and... The artist Kanye West, I don't know how you could stand behind him then with the music that he's making now if it's a direct representation of who he is. I don't I don't stand behind him as an individual right now, but I also think holistically, Kanye West to me means something because of the way that I love music because of who Kanye West of of, of the work that Kanye West has put out to this yeah. point. I think me as an adult now as somebody that, you know, has their own formulated political opinions and ideologies around what Kanye West shouldn't be speaking on or what he's right and wrong about. I can, part of me wants to be able to say I can make logic of this or I can make light of something that he said, but there's another part of me that also just thinks that that's because of the fact that he's had such an influence on me growing up and and loving music, that that's the reason that I'm so forgiving of who he is because he's put out eight albums that I've loved and I still go, go and listen to him. And everybody that I know basically will... You know, you listen to Kanye West, then you have to have an opinion on Kanye West, or you're going to need to take a defensive stance when you talk about Kanye West. Can't listen to Father Stretch My Hands without somebody saying, "Oh, I hate this guy," and then you have to go into, "Oh, why?" That that that's the debate that naturally comes yeah. out of that. But when has that not been true? When has Kanye West ever released music and people have said, "Oh, I hate this guy"? All it's the just time. the thing is, at this point, I've, I've all never the stage, every yeah, people at every stage of my life yeah. have, have said every at some point. It's just the stakes at this point have gone up, or maybe the point is at this point. 
the world doesn't really care much about anything, so we keep raising the stakes on the things that we actually do care about. Like you brought up the point earlier, I thought this was actually a really good point when you talked about comparing runaway versus like wouldn't leave. And the thing is, is that he's still the same dude. Like he knows the same tricks as before. He knows the same ideas of taking your personal experiences and using them and then trying exactly incredible creative product out of it. But before he was capable of taking the Taylor Swift, he was before he was capable of taking the Taylor Swift situation. And by the way, the Taylor Swift situation, the stakes couldn't be lower. It's a bunch of famous people and a guy comes up and, you know, rightfully points out that this stupid music video won over an incredible Beyonce music video. The stakes couldn't be lower. This is an award that doesn't mean shit to shit. But now the situation is that he is like completely destroying his own brand. His newest album, the closest thing he can come to a cohesive message is romanticizing mental illness. That's really original. No one's ever romanticized bipolarism or, you know, depression in any way. Thanks for your contribution, Kanye. And in that, the track isn't even all that great in comparison to something like Runaway, where you have an incredible performance and you can get at the buy-in of suddenly, the, like the entire public can now buy into your character after you shat all over America's sweetheart. It's just, I think the hardest part where people can't buy into him now is not that he's controversial. He's always been controversial. It's just now at this point, I think as a society, the way we put, we ascribe too much value to pop culture icons like Donald Trump, like Kanye, when they say things about stuff they don't know shit about, we still listen to them because they have a platform instead of just looking away. Like, we take these people seriously when they say that they're going to run for president. We take them far too seriously than we should. We take them too seriously when they say they're going to start a fashion line. And that's, I think, been ultimately the biggest issue with famous people like Kanye West at this point. It's just their platforms are too big. Can I give my opinion of, of Kanye West? Kanye West to me is an abusive relationship. With you? He is an abusive yeah, relationship? Yeah, he's, he's an abusive relationship in the sense that I find myself consistently defending the reason why I love Kanye West. I find myself reflecting consistently on the good times I had with Kanye West and the music that he made and the way it made me feel. And I put it on and I'm like, this is fucking awesome. And then someone points out, yeah, but he did this. Yeah, but he does that. Yeah, but he does this. And I'm like, but yeah, but it but doesn't matter. But you have to turn it. You have but, to that, but this is where I draw, this is where I draw the parallel. This is, is it does matter because of who he is and because of the way that he infuses himself in his but that's what I'm, think, And that's he, what I'm saying is like I consistently find myself in this space where I'm like, I'm defending Kanye. West. Like people come up to me and they, 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 they're very straightforward with me. They know that I love Kanye West. So they come and they talk to me about it. And they prod me about it. And every time I put on a Kanye West song and someone goes, I fucking hate this guy. Well, here comes a 45-minute debate about why I have to defend Kanye and defend this song and what this song means and what it meant and what it, how it changed the history of music. When someone comes up to me and says, Kanye West is a talented, talentless asshole who's just cocky. I'm like, do you not see what he's done? Like, this is a consistent conversation I have where I find that I'm defending someone. So to me, it feels like I'm in an abusive relationship where listening to him is causing this turmoil but i just i can't say no i, I love him okay so signing off i mean we had a pretty meaty debate on kanye west all things kanye west which is i think exactly what we expected um thanks for tuning into the friday special we'll see you guys on monday <laughs> um and then we're gonna be talking something new i don't <laughs> know we i'm don't too know complex yet. for complex <laughs> it's, com it's complex con right now actually. yeah actually oh. it's right on point 
You know, because okay. I'm such a good bro. I love it. Yeah. Your girlfriend is a dork, Mick Lover. Yeah. You're huh? such a... <laughs> Have a good weekend, guys. I'm a bit of a top of 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 top